Barakatuh. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Very good. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. For some it's second and for others it's three and a third of Ramadan already. And yes, I, I believe in a lot of countries internationally are doing um, the started I think on the Friday. The first fast was on the Friday and then some people have done obviously on the, the, the day after that. This is a, a blessing. I, I spoke about this. I did a khutbah. Not a khutbah khutbah but a, a reminder um, about um, the split. I mean, we always in, in the UK, in America, we always have a, a, a whole experience of split decisions. So you know this idea of split decisions, yep. some are going first, some are going later. So I was saying, you know, um, previous years I've seen a lot of acrimony, um, a lot of um, argumentation and, and um, fighting over, you know, the, the, the correct day of, of Ramadan when it started and in the, in the run-up for Ramadan, obviously, and then on the day it starts. And then I noticed this year it wasn't the case. It was very interesting. I don't know if you noticed that, that, that this year um, it wasn't as much of an issue. Um, I the wonder splitting why. Because um, something much more important is on the on the menu. Because, um, you know, you know, the significance of something becomes apparent when you put it into perspective. So the perspective that has been given to us is the whole um, whole issue of, of life and death, of the fragility of life, and in that the the petty argumentation and um, the back and forth over legal legal niceties of Islamic fiqh disappears when you have such a, a, a kind of real issue at your doorstep, which is about life and death and and um, serious um, disruptions happening generally, and so. You know, I was talking about splitting of of the decision, but we should focus on the person that split the moon, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because the real splitting is the splitting that has significance, which is to show um, something through separating something. So the ummah should always be in the ummatukum ummatan wahida. This ummah is one ummah. So Allah says, your ummah is one ummah. In other words, keep united and keep holding to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Um, that is your your task, but the differences always agree, agree um, appear. The differences are, are part and parcel of our tradition, and you know in our history, different differences have always been accepted. We should be much more mature. But I think there's an issue about cities being united and cities being um, acting in unison in terms of the first of Ramadan and the day of Eid. Um, that's a different issue, but I think. When we had all this issue of COVID nineteen, I think that brought everything to perspective, and so people are not even coming to people's houses. People are not even going to taraweeh. People are not even, you know, congratulating each other. People are not even arranging iftar parties so mm-hmm. that they say, "Oh, you know, my friend, I wanted to invite him for the first of Ramadan. They're doing, they're doing the next day." So that, that all that pettiness over over the dates has been left, and what we're left with is is contemplating the one. Uh, the one through whose ishara the, the, the moon was split yep. and this is focusing on the, the centrality of the Prophet and the essential part that this is a religion which is there to unify and to focus on what is um, real and true in our lives and this is why inshallah this Ramadan um, it will be a special Ramadan a Ramadan to remember for the right reasons inshallah 
those of you who just joined, this is Radio Ramadan's Reflections uh, with uh, our guest, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, I'm your host, Zubair Akram. As I said before, Iftar, inshallah, today is going to be at 8.53. Um, I wonder to to get this, some longevity in, in this broadcast, we'll be recording, we'll be uh, making this available on video and audio mm. on different websites like yes. your iSyllabus website inshallah yes. as well and hopefully we're going to get some podcasts out of it mm. how many times I should announce the, <laughs> the iftar timing uh, I suppose a lot of people know the iftar timing which is a baraka of um, uh, this uh, the month mm. uh, that the content that comes out the the speech that is made in this month Mm. has no other parallel mm. I remember we did uh, 99 names mm. and we did it in Ramadan mm. and we did out with Ramadan yes, yes. and it, there was a difference there was a palpable difference in Ramadan anything in fact I, I always say this that uh, just in the lead up to the iftar that what um, comes to mind um, not through recollection but just through reflection is something completely different from outside Ramadan mm. in fact what, what happens is, is quite strange is sometimes people pull me up and say or pull me up you know kind of speak to me and say you you, you said this thing in, in the iftar show or you said that thing in the iftar mm. show or years later they tell me yeah and in fact years later they show me the notes they have and I say who said that <laughs> <laughs> to the point I have no recollection of it at it's all it's the third dimension it's, it's the realm no it's very strange it's not I wouldn't say it's the third dimension it's just very strange that whatever comes to mind at that time is um, inshallah tawfiq of Allah yeah. um, I think it's just um, probably the du'as of some of the people that are listening as well that makes an effect so it's interesting that that um, experience happens and therefore it means for the listeners I think it's important that we do embrace the spiritual and the and the, the third dimensional aspect of this experience of Ramadan and Iftar uh, specifically and we don't under, under undermine ourselves in, in expecting great things from Ramadan so we should have great expectations because um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a hadith Qudsi. So hadith Qudsi is one from the, the words of the Prophet inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. And the Prophet said that Allah said, Ana inda dhanni abdi bi. I am as my servant expects me. Mm. Now, you know, if, that is, if you think of anything that's more empowering for a human being, that is the most empowering thing because basically what's being said is, if you believe Allah to be merciful and powerful and able to um, ease your hardship, or you're, if you consider Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be um, whatever you want Him to be, then that is what Allah will be. Mm. So the power is in your hand. It's not as if Allah is you know, al-qahar fawqa ibadi, that He's is overpowering His servants. It's the fact that He is also, in this context, uh, allowing you the choice to decide what kind of Ramadan do you want? Mm. And since Alama Akibali has, you know, that you will become so obedient to Allah that Allah will ask the servant himself, what is your wish? Bata teri raza kya hai? Teri raza kya hai? Khudi ko kar buland itna ke har khudi ko kar buland itna ke har takdeer se pehle khuda bande se khud puche bata teri raza kya hai? So that's it. I, I have this old memory of that poem, yeah. of that line. Such a beautiful line that you elevate yourself with worship of Allah to the point that it's Allah then asks the servant, O oh servant, what would you like? And this is empowering because it's a transaction. Remember, Islam, Islam is essentially a deen, which is what you give and take. 
So mm-hmm. the 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 what so an offer here is Allah is saying worship me, and He will give you an immense in terms of this immense in this life and immense in the hereafter, and to the point that the one that creates the cosmos and the heavens and the earth will say to you, what in what lies your pleasure. And this mm. is why in this life, this is what Allah Iqbal is essentially saying, what would you like to happen on earth? You know, where was the pleasure, where's your pleasure light in this earth? Mm. But what we know is that continues in the hereafter. And, um, you know, the Quran constantly indicates to us, yasha'una fiha وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٍ That they, um, they, you know, these people, وَلَهُمْ Hum is those people. We know who those those people are. These are the people that have gained mm-hmm. Allah's pleasure. مَا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا Will get whatever they please. مَا يَشَاءُونَ مَا in Arabic means لِلْعُمُومِ Means without any restriction, without any caveat, without any um, off-the-limit requests. Mm. And then, so it's anything you want in the hereafter. So some things... On earth, we, we, we want what we never get. There are certain um, things. I remember I was, so this is a, a strange story. I went to Ta'iz in, um, in Yemen. I was traveling through um, Yemen, going back to Sana'a. And I, I stayed a couple of nights uh, in, in Ta'iz, in the mosque. So I just kind of slept in, in, the, in the, 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 the Grand Mosque. And there was a Mu'addin that was there. And for the first night, he kept all night, because I was in the, in the open courtyard sleeping. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't have anywhere to stay, so I just I, I just asked the Imam, could I sleep in the courtyard? So I slept in the courtyard, massive mosque built from the time of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu an. And um, the Mu'addin did the adhan for Isha, and then he all night he basically went from one room to another, did some prayers, and then the next day I asked somebody about what happened. Um, you know, who is this person, etc., etc. And he and he told me that ever since he was young, he was he was in love with this um, person. And the person he was in love with ended up marrying somebody else. And from that moment, he left everything. Mm. And he became the mother of the mosque. Oh. It was such a strange, strange story. A, a funny And sad, then he basically became very sad, but... It's real. Real. The triangles of life. Exist. So it was one of the mosques in Ta'iz, one of the old mosques in Ta'iz. It was such a strange... Because I, I, then the next day, I, 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 was, I, I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. Because you're obviously in a, in a country that's not your own country. So you're still half awake. So same thing, worshipping, you could see he's doing dhikr, etc, etc. Mm. So the, the interesting is, <laughs> um, that what my point was, that's something that was, that was not available for him in this life. Okay. But that's something that's completed in the hereafter. So do, do you come to a conclusion that... If you see what I mean, Allah says they will have within it whatever they wish, and that's not, nothing off, there's nothing off the limit there. We will give them even more. And, and scholars talk about the fact that that is the, the beatific vision of Allah, that you will see Allah in the most perfect form. So you were saying something. I think you were asking a question. <laughs> no, were you asking a question? I asked a question. I said, so you come to conclusions in life that these, this thing or this situation is not for you in this life. Uh-huh. Like, is it a situation that exists? That there is something that you should... Reconcile yourself with that this, this is not, not happen. for me. Not, no, it's not for you. It's more that it will not be written for you. It, not for you because you, you don't know whether it's, it's not written for you. It's not written for you. Sometimes you and know it's not written it. for you. Um, it's clear it's not written for you. 
Um, the example I gave was just of um, relationships or marriage or something like that. And that's the obvious thing of Leila Majnu and, um, mm. you know, all the, you know, Romeo, Juliet, all these kind of stories about um, people in love and, the, and there's barriers, social or economic or religious barriers between them. Um, that is a metaphor for um, things that are outside your taqdeer, outside your, your, um, your um, you would say, your, your destiny. And therefore, how do you reconcile with that? We have that interesting understanding that they will have whatever they want in paradise and extra. So in other words, the completion of what we desire will Sheikh be... Oh, you, oh, sorry, when I want to really ask you, yes, I, you I can't to ask in English. Yes, you're saying, I cannot understand this. I can't understand this. This, this concept... Uh-huh. Troubles me. Which one? That it's like you know this thing of um, delayed reward. Mm. Everything that's kind of like not happening because either you haven't make made enough effort, or you haven't qualified yourself to be there, or you haven't fulfilled all the prerequisites. Jannat mm-hmm. milega. No, no. I mean, th- 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 I think you've explained your own predicament, which is. You've not achieved the the pre, pre the, the prerequisites or the preconditions, so the issue here is about your your lack of trying or your lack of himma. Because mm. um, lack of trying or lack of himma, they're two different things. To, yeah, lack of trying. Trying is um, body. You're training yourself. You want to win the hundred meters and you don't train. Lack of trying. Mm. Lack of himma is getting up in the morning. And then pushing yourself to do the training. It's two mm. different things. But Ibn, Ibn, Ibn Ajiba, he wrote a commentary on Ibn Atta'illah's Hikam. Hikam, we're going to cover last year. Short statements with lots of poetic, religious and spiritual um, reflections. The title of the book was Iqad al-Himam. Um, awakening the Himma. Awakening the desire to do something. In other words, waking up people. And... Um, that is what I think your issue is because if you're saying that how are, why delay things, the reality is that those things will not be delayed unless you don't put the effort in yourself. Because you could say, I want X, Y, and Z, and you sit back and you don't try. And if it doesn't work, we say you get it in the hereafter. And you don't get it in, here, in the hereafter if you haven't mm. tried enough. Mm. If you put your effort in, mm. and it's a religious end. I mean, we're talking about religious ends. We're not talking about you know, winning the 100 meters and all these kind of things. We're talking about religious ends. In that sense, it will be completed for you. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that Niyatul al-Abd khayrun min amali In a hadith which had some, some weakness, but it's a, it's a hadith that scholars have used, that a, a person's intention is greater than their action. Intention means your, your intent to do something. Hmm. Of the believer. So, it's not anybody's intention. Your intention, if you're sitting and you're not a strong believer, meaning it's not a strong intention, it will not be better than your action. Mm. Because you're a person that's very lax and you won't try to fulfill the conditions of the action and you'll just fall fall, fall short. But a believer, for example, will say, for example, Hajj. They've intended to go to Hajj. They've done all the preparation. They've put all the prerequisites in place. And it doesn't happen, for example. That intention will be greater than the action of doing it. Because the person was a believer and the, and the action was so powerful that it's as if they did all the actions. 
Mm. Now, if you see the, if you if you flip that and say the intention of the person who has little faith, for example, the person of little faith will say, "I want to go to Hajj." Goes on a website, clicks a couple of links. Ah, inshallah, I mean, I'm still 42. Inshallah, 70. So that niyyah is non-existent niyyah. You know, what kind of niyyah is that? What kind of himma is there? What kind of niyyah is there? You would say it's a non-existent niyyah. And therefore, the action will be nothing. So I think this thing is, is, is what you're asking is quite interesting, which is a general throwaway comment, which is to say that, you know, just live your life on earth, you'll get all the good things in the hereafter. Yeah. But that's not the truth. You get that's them all here. True. That is not true. That's not true. I just can't, yeah. No, no, but, but that is, is not this, true. This is how it comes across. But it should in, not come any across. any religious talk. I'll give you, I'll give you, a stu- I'll give you um, in fact, we talked about this. I remember we talked about this in, in the 99 Names of Allah when we, when we were talking about Al-Fattah. Yeah. Um, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, you know Umar ibn Abdul Aziz? Yeah, uh, two and a half years. Yeah, Umar ibn Aziz was a Khalifa years of power of government of of Khilafah. Of Khilafah. Now, he made du'a with intention, but then he followed it up with action. So his he had a number of um, in deep deep intentions. One of which was to marry the the, the daughter of Suleiman ibn Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, and it happened. But he didn't just have an intention. He made a du'a and he had he 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 fulfilled the conditions. And then he made du'a to become the governor of Medina Munawwara, hmm. which is a difficult thing because Medina Munawwara is the center <clears throat> of religious life still, even though Damascus was the political life of the, of, of the, of the Khilafah. He became the, he became the go- governor. By becoming the governor, he caught the eye of Suleiman ibn Abdul Malik. Like, look at the changes in the city. Look at the revolution in the people's lives. Hmm. Look at the economic benefits he's bringing. And you know, in, in in a Muslim country, they will talk about Riyasat al al Madina. They will talk about the 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 governance of the city of the Prophet That's exactly what happened. You know, poverty was alleviated during his Khilafah. It's one of the signs of the end of time that he actually realized, and he also made du'a that he would become the Khalifa. And the point is, he didn't make a du'a and thought, oh, okay, if it doesn't happen in the hereafter, I'll make du'a that Allah elevates me. No. He worked so meticulously as a governor of the city of the Prophet wasallam that then Suleiman Abdul Malik he bypassed his own sons, mm-hmm. the ones that should be the you know like imagine today the queen uh, who's next Charles for example and then there's I don't know I don't know the names of the others the princes after that but well, the point is imagine the queen just picks somebody like away in the out, outer circle of the royal family because they're doing such great work. And they're the person to take on the mantle. That's what happened to Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Because he did the work. Do you understand? Yeah. He yeah. didn't think, you know, like we think, sit back and relax and think, okay, if it happens, it happens. Dream. Yes. No, no, no there's no dream here. He, he pushed it through. And it's like Imam Ghazali has a story, a teaching story about a person who um, intends great things, but he starts with a glass of milk. I think he has a glass of milk and he's sitting there and he's looking at the glass of milk and then as we all do, we look at the glass of milk or whatever, the five pounds in our pocket or the business we're starting and we and he looks at it and, and he thinks, okay, with this milk, I'll make some yogurt and I'll go to the marketplace. I'll sell it, I'll sell it for two dinars. And when I get the two dinars, I'll buy a chicken. The chicken I'll bring home. When I bring it home, it'll give eggs. And from the eggs, other chicks will come and I'll have more chickens. 
when I get the chickens, mm. um, I'll start selling the eggs. When I sell the eggs, I'll be able to buy a sheep, milk the goat, and then that will allow me to buy um, uh, buy um, a cow, and the cow will... And then he, the mind kept wandering and wandering to the point that then I'll buy a house, and with this I'll buy a house, and then I'll do this, and ah, alhamdulillah, I'll relax. He did this with his hands, the milk, the glass of milk, upon which all of his his intentions were built, spilt. Mm-hmm. And this is, in fact, um, it's also... Um, I was I was reading my daughter's um, I know I, I know you know this because you came to my house Esau, Esau's fables. Yeah, this is one of the stories in Esau's fables, which is a pre-Islamic Esau's storybook. Book. Yeah, Esau's fable, which is in that story, it's a it's a young girl who's got um, clothes, and she it's, it's exactly the same story. Mm. But the point is, it's timeless because of the fact that um, people plan without putting the effort in, and they daydream without putting the the kind of preconditions of action in and that's essentially where we are in ramadan because ramadan's come we're in the second or third day and we're thinking little qadr little qadr will come and i will make dua to allah and allah will accept it and i'll have the most perfect ramadan but you know if you're listening what's the what's the effort you know what have you put in what's the effort you put into ramadan because the thing of saying it'll come in the hereafter is only if you've put the effort in and it's, I mean it's Allah decides it's not going to be because think of it you've got a business there's many people that have the same business they can't all be super successful yeah. and so what is there to decide whether that person will excel in this world or sometimes your contacts or something like that so we have um, to try we have to try and, and strive for whatever we want to inshallah and that's essentially how I think um, we gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is what we're going to be talking about when we look at Surah Al-Kahf. Surah Al-Kahf has the story of the, of, of the two gardens. You know, the, the story of the, of the two people and the garden and, and the boasting between them. Yeah. I'm more in terms of my wealth and my, my offspring and that ideal. In the world, I've got everything. And, and from what you're saying... The other person is the one that's saying, you know, whatever will come in the hereafter will be better. And so essentially, Surah Al-Kahf will co- cover your, your S- issue. Surah Al-Kahf will cover my issue. Inshallah. Inshallah. So Surah Al-Kahf is um, supposed to be the first section of this uh, Reflections program. Inshallah, I think we'll start with that uh, tomorrow. Uh, the first half an hour will be on that or perhaps after this ad break we can we can continue with that uh, Surah Al-Kahf um, as uh, people who've just joined uh, we start this program every day half past seven seven thirty uh, up until iftar time uh, and this is going to be the case for the first 15 days um, three sections Surah Kahf in the first section um, life of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu uh, in context with this situation that we are in and the relation that this surah, this passage will have with the life of the Prophet Sallallahu And the third and the final section of this program is always going to be Inna ma'al usri yusra uh, Silver lining uh, The masaib, the, the tribulations that we all perceive to have in our lives They always have um, 
something which we need to embrace, which we need to find what that is. Sheikh Surah Kahf. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا قيما لينذر بأسا شديدا من لدنه ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون يعملون الصالحات أن لهم أجرا حسنا ما كثين فيه أبدا وينذر الذين قالوا اتخذ الله ولدا صدق الله العظيم so obviously our intent um, in this section, well, the, the, the section is to do to Surat Al-Kahf. Um, Surat Al-Kahf, the name comes specifically from a, a section in which it talks about Ashab Al-Kahf. So we'll be talking about them um, in, in, in detail and the significance of that. Um, but the interesting thing about this chapter, obviously, for, for Muslims is that it relates to the Friday recitation. So the mm. Prophet um, was asked about the protection from the, the Antichrist, the Dajjal. Dajjal in Arabic is from Dajala, which means to cover up something. And, 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 and essentially it starts, the word comes from covering a metal with a gold plating. So Dajjal. Yes, yeah, so Dajala is to, to Im, Im, impersonate, to impo- be an imposter. But the Arabic origin of it is to plate something with a surface which is unlike the internal or internal um, structure or the internal quality okay. of the the thing itself. So uh, and it's generally understood as gold plating. Gold plating or any kind of plating or covering over and hiding. Yeah. So, for example, somebody so something nice over something not you, so nice. Yes. Yeah, so if you go to a marketplace and you go to you know these old marketplaces and there's people they're selling. On the street, they'll say this is pure gold, and you mm. you find a bargain half the price of what you normally would. The essentially the person is a dajjal, dajjal meaning a person who's covering up reality. And so the Prophet was asked about the protection from the dajjal, and he said that this, by the recitation or the memorization, according to different narrations of the first ten or even the last ten um, verses of this, um, you will gain protection from dajjal. At no point did the Prophet say why. At no point did the Prophet explain the 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 what you would say is the the modus operandi of how this chapter will end up saving you and what will it do to save you against the the the, the jail. And also, if you read the chapter, you're looking and see looking for a verse that is going to help you against the jail. You don't find it directly at all. Mm. So what you you find is. You're thinking, well, what is special about this chapter that is unlike قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ رَبِّ الْفَلَقِ You know, seeking protection. The two مُعَوَّذَتَيْن are the two chapters of the Qur'an that Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu felt were so important he didn't even write them in his own Mus'haf of the Qur'an because he felt they were so powerful in their protection that he didn't write them. Why do you not think that, that those two would be the sections of the Quran that would be the protective force against the Antichrist, essentially, mm. and it's Surat Al-Kahf that is. And so, what the intention is to look at this, the chapter and to look at what is it the quality of this chapter that makes it the one the Prophet continually requested the community to recite on the day of Jumu'ah, and also to state specifically that the, the memorization of the beginning and the end, or or the end, will be the protection from the Dajjal. And essentially what you come to a conclusion over, and, and this will come out when we look at the stories from the Ashab al-Kahf, and you look at the story of 
um, Alexandra the, the Great, and you look at the story of Khidr with Musa you look at the story of of the the people the two the people in the garden and the, and their and their discussion all of that will indicate one specific thing and the story of Musa and Khidr is very interesting because the three internal stories that are there but what you'll find is that there is a sense of materialism and looking at the outward mm. while ignoring the inward mm. in other words you know when you look, you look at your bank statement you have the outward you, in ins and outs in out in out at no point do you look at you know, imagine you on the out, you've got um, five pounds, mm. and that was a donation to somebody, mm. and that donation to somebody was a somebody who was close to God, and that donation led to the person making du'a, which you're unaware of at this moment in time, that at the end of your life will be the thing that will create your salvation. Mm. Now, the outward um, accounts from the bank is in out in out in statement negative equity. That's materialism. That's the the outward form. That is the gel. You know, the the gel is as as I said, it's the outward coating, mm-hmm. the external thing that you see. What's internal is something that's hidden from us, but it's the reality of things. And mm-hmm. when, what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was describing when he talked about the Dajjal was, what he presents to you as 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 the fire will be coolness, and what he presents to you, presents to you as the coolness and the water will be the fire, mm-hmm. and so essentially. The Dajjal will essentially be that person, that, that personality that will provide you with the glistening gold, which is essentially is, is putrid muck, mm. essentially. And so that account that you have from the bank is replicated with another account statement, which is the unseen account statement, which is each of those transactions is either accepted or, or rejected by God. The smallest one one maybe the one that is the most accepted and the largest one maybe the one that's most neglected but the reality of that would be you know your leverage in terms of finance and be able to you know imagine you've got a multinational company and you use your leverage in your in your investments to buy another company and then create a monopoly and you're successful essentially that will when you die it just crumbles nothing leaves you and if you're a muslim you believe in the hereafter as being a, tr- a reality when you go into the real after, hereafter, you see the real account system of that five pounds with sincerity to the person done with complete um, secrecy is far more powerful than the thing done in open and with a desire for personal fame or power or prestige. So this is what I think Surat Al-Kahf is saying to us, and especially in this time, we're living in the age of COVID-19, hmm. which is essentially... A man-made, um, we talked about this yesterday, a man-made phenomena which God is now allowing to unleash itself because natural forces are under the creation of God and God puts in, in, into creation the forces to move as they are based on the laws that they are there. So if you have a something that's contagious, God's not going to lift the contagious nature of that disease because it's destructive. The contagious nature of that disease is there to teach us a lesson. You know, like it's like the same thing as a young child. If you're a young child, I remember back to being a child and and the an open fire or the stove. Now God is not going to lift the heat of the stove just because a child is coming close to it, hmm. because there is a purpose in the lesson of the child feeling the heat and and, and falling back. Hmm. And so, 
you know, the naive person would say, why, well, why is it Allah, at that moment in time, that innocent child, why doesn't God make the fire cool? Interesting you say that. What's the framework for me to understand why this is? Mm-hmm. There, there, there needs to be a framework. There needs to be a deep understanding or some understanding of my faith, of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is telling me. Mm-hmm. Telling me, why am I in a lockdown? Why am I faced with this situation that I am in mm-hmm. to understand this I need some kind of framework mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this I mean you, you're saying what you said it's a theory mm-hmm. that there is materialism that yes. existed yes and then uh, it's, it's a roaring majestiness mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, roaring God has said hey everyone just sit back Stay at home. You are not allowed out. Uh-huh. Everything stops. All airlines gone bankrupt. Yes. All airports are empty. You cannot fly. You cannot commute. You cannot uh-huh. cross the borders. Right. So you're saying that God said that. I'm saying God did not say that. I'm but saying we... I, 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 I feel the, no, no. The, the day the lockdown happened, right? Yes, yes. Two days, it's just sunk in. And I thought, everyone I spoke to, to be honest, that's what I said what I was thinking, I said, God has told me, pause, just sit. You can't move. Yes. He is, he hasn't allowed us to move. Mm-hmm. There's no, every, everything else is what he has caused to happen. Mm-hmm. It says, that's another thing that we need to discuss some, at some point. But if it is done somewhere, if, if this contagiousness is because of is is him is is our hands that's mm-hmm. earned it fine, mm-hmm. but ultimately he has made it happen, mm-hmm. and he is saying to us stay home, mm-hmm. or just stop everything you're doing. Mm. You can't move. I I would say to that that how do I understand? He has Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has not dictated to global leaders and economic um, thinkers and the medical fraternity to say. To them, tell people, you know, go into isolation. Those decisions were made based upon economic and medical indicators because of the fact that if you didn't, you would face such a catastrophic loss of life and loss of economy that, you know, the human species would would be in such dire straits for the next you know, five, six decades that it would be unimagin- unimaginable. So this is Things based upon... No, no, as, as a good project manager or as a good leader, mm. we choose people around us and we really value those people who make things happen. Mm. We say, make it happen. Go and do it. Don't tell me the details, just go and do it. Yeah. Right? Mm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it happen. Regardless mm. of who, what steps people are now taking. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's up to them. But he's made it happen. Mm-hmm. He just said, shut down. That's mm-hmm. it. Finished. Finito. Mm-hmm. Khalas. Mm-hmm. No more. To use different... Finito is, is Italian. Yeah. Khalas, Arabic. So it's, I can tell you're very excited. <laughs> and English, there's three language, three words in three languages to express. Bitti in Turkish. I'll just yeah. add that in as well. So I think... Anyway. Look, the decisions are ours. 
The decisions are our leaders. The decisions are there for worldly material benefits, not for spiritual benefits. What you're asking about is the wisdom behind why God would allow that to happen. Mm. And the essential thing is the same thing with exact thing I was talking about is the child, the cause and effect of the child going towards the fire. God will not say fire be cool because just let the child do what it wants. That illness that we have here is created by Allah and and the nature, natural forces are created by Allah. Mm. And Allah is saying if you tamper with them, and you don't look at the limits of your 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 capacity as a human species, and you and you and you overstep, essentially, what in in Arabic is called volum. Volum we always mistranslate as being oppression. Volum in Arabic, Imam Asfahani says, is to put something in its in a place it doesn't belong. To put human beings in a place they don't belong is volum, not oppression, but it is a misuse of your capacity as a human being. And so what's happened is, if you do that, you will be faced with one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you, you know, when you, when you come to that point and you overstep the mark, so the parent should have a guard in mm. front of the fire, they should teach the child about this, they should take care about how they use the fire, etc., etc. You don't use that, then you, you suffer the consequences. In other words, you will have a child that is burnt. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the natural world, if you do not take care in how you eat and how you nurture animals, and this, no, I understand that. I understand that. You will have to feel it, and then the wisdom is what you're talking about, which is essentially, okay, everything shut down. It's got to the point where you all have to take a time out. And you would say, you know, if you're using the, the analogy of education, naughty corner. Yeah, yeah. Humanity yeah. is in the naughty corner. All of it, the the leaders, the presidents, the prime ministers, the multinational leaders, even the poor pauper is in the in the naughty corner because it affects everybody. And what's interesting is I was looking at uh, I think it was the Private Eye, it was a journal or mm. a, a magazine in the in the UK. Yeah. It has um, satirical content. It had a had a cartoon of two boxers, and it was the hum- humanity with COVID nineteen, mm. almost the same size. So. There's COVID and there's the, the, the humanity. You know, you wouldn't know which one's going to win. Mm. And then outside the ring, waiting to get in, is the environmental issue. And the environmental issue was pictured as this massive, you know, imagine Mike Tyson at his best, waiting to go in. In other words, if you think COVID is a big issue, you've got something coming because COVID is a symptom of the in- environmental degradation that we are doing ourselves. بِمَا كَسَبَتْ nas. So we talked about it yesterday. Yeah. The fasad, fil barri wal nas. On the on the earth and in the in the seas, corruption has arrived because of what we do. We now have to experience what responsibility is. I think. Mm. And that is ex- exactly what Surat al-Kahf is talking about. It is saying that there is an outward which you make decisions on, and in, in the in the story of the Prophet Musa, this will he'll make the cost benefit analysis, which I call. Um, you know, you know the ship, the cost benefit analysis. Like, why are you making? Why are you damaging a ship for? Mm. Why are you killing a child for? You know, why are you building this this wall up? Cost benefit, no cost benefit. But the Prophet Khidr is saying there's another cost benefit, which is the wisdom, which is unknown to you. You need to roll up your sleeves with what you know, and what you is in your. Uh, we talk about your lane. 
you know, what's ever in your lane, what's your business, or what's in your pay grade, you just continue on with that. And don't worry about what Allah has destined. You just do as um, Ayub al-Sakhtiani used to say, that the intelligent person should, when they, when, they, when they get up, they should just look to see what Allah has decreed for them and get on with it and busy themselves with it, not to worry with what Allah is decreeing for them. Don't worry, what is God going to put in my path today? Whatever he puts in path, you get on with doing it. Hmm. It's almost like busy yourself with yeah, what's just there. Get on with, with what you have in front of you. Yeah, and plan and try. And our ummah is all uh, ummah of trying and, and, and testing and, and um, you know, experimentation. And Yeah, I mean, we know the sequence of plan, effort and dua. Yes. Yeah. So plan, effort and dua. Mm. That's the sequence. It's yes. not the other way around. Yes. Yeah. But no, no, no. It's not, not the other way around. I mean, there is an aspect of the fact that you start... Um, with a good du'a and a good niyyah. This is why scholars, when they used to start the khatam of the Qur'an in Ramadan, a lot of scholars used to start with Surat Al-Fatih. Surat Al-Fatih is translated as the, the, the chapter of the opening. So they used to recite Surat Al-Fatiha, and then they used to start with Surat Al-Fatih. In other words, that idea of an opening and a beginning which has no comparison is exactly what we um, hope for. And then they... With that, then they used to try. Mm. So in other words, their intention internally was the dua of Allah, make this an, a, a blessed month of Ramadan. And then the, the action would start with something they chose, and then the dua would be at the end when they did the khatam. So, you know, when the mm. Quran is completed, mm-hmm. you have a khatam. Anas ibn Malik used to collect his family to do the khatam, um, you know, had a habit of that. And so we're in this situation where Surat al-Kahf, I think it uncovers. Which is what your first question was, Surat al-Kahf. Why is it interesting? It's interesting because it uncovers the superficiality of the material mm-hmm. and the gold and, and the value and the dual nature of the spiritual and the meaning. Ma'ani, meaning are, are, are the things that are hidden behind the billboard. You know, imagine you there's an advertisement for something and it looks brilliant. So mm-hmm. you want to buy it. When you buy it, open it up, breaks technical issues, quality is not as good as you thought it was, you send it back to the maker. That's the difference between the what's outward and then the ma'ani, which is the th- experience, what they call the user experience in technology. Yeah, You might have a good idea, but when you give it to somebody, they use it and they go, useless. Like they'll design um, these, what are these called? These are, I think these are called um, earphones. Yeah. They'll design them and then you give it, give it to a, a real person, they will say, ah, rubbish, too hot, too kind of painful in the ear it's too much pressure here and then they will say useless because the ma'ani which is what you experience from the user experience is, is not very good and so we have to then focus on the user user experience we have to focus on that p- part of our experience so so al-kahf as you go through it and ya'juj and ma'juj we had we didn't mention ya'juj and ma'juj which is actually the most potent connection to what we're in which is the destruction of Ya'juj and Ma'juj is um, prophesied by the Prophet ﷺ in Sahih al-Bukhari and other hadith book as a virus that eats them and leaves them on the surface of the earth to die. So once Ya'juj and Ma'juj um, inhabit the earth and populate the earth and, and, and deplete its resources, the destruction of them is not through anything except something that eats them from the inside. Which is essentially what we call a virus. Hmm. So, hmm. 
Ya'juj and Ma'juj are essentially, if you think about it, the, the metaphor of Ya'juj and Ma'juj is unlimited materialism. You would say rampant camp- capitalism, unethical capitalism. You would say, Re- you know, basically what we call, you know, when people economists talk about this, the rape of resources. Basically, not caring about the effect, the plundering of resources. And so, yeah, Jude and Majud is such an interesting aspect of the Catholic Church that we're covering. FM. You can listen to us live on our website, RadioRamadan.scot. Tune in. And in a few days' time, inshallah, we'll be live on Facebook as well. Uh, just getting a technology right with this COVID-19 situation. But most of the programs are done in a very different way. Uh, and we uh, apologize for some of the technical uh, glitches that we have where uh, I'm getting texts where ad voices and uh, nasheeds are a lot louder than our sound um, when we speak uh, it is to the fact because we're not in our main studios, we're not in this, the setup that we have, uh, we've made so many changes uh, to um, adhere to the, the guidelines that we have of COVID-19 um, and we're getting there inshallah uh, the situation is unique, it's different uh, sake of this word, unprecedented but it is unprecedented Subhanallah, Sheikh Surah Kahf. And I was reading the first ayah. Um, I have Urdu translation in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have English, but Alhamdulillahilladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitaba walam yajallahu iwaja. Teek teek sidi baat. Correct. The correctness is emphasized, and no ambiguity is emphasized as if there is opposite that exists at times mm-hmm. the emphasis means there, there there can be situations when things are not stated clearly when the emphasis in the first line is this is a book which has uh, um, which is this is book revealed on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's abd his, yes. his slave mm-hmm. um, which is Clear, correct, and no ambiguity. Well, so your your question is more about the the fact that there's no why this emphasis crookedness. Yeah, so as if there's some crookedness exists somewhere. Not why why this emphasis. So the, the thing is, this is not emphasis. I think if I talk at the if I look from the Arabic construction, if I can understand your question, is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that praise be to the one that has. Um, revealed upon his servant a book, a book essentially. Hmm. And the book has a quality which is that it has no crookedness in it. So I think the, the translation in and from the to the Arabic to the English would be it has no crookedness in it. So you, you're thinking, what does that refer to? Hmm. The, the the Urdu translation is m- more positive. It's not. No crookedness exists. Yes. It says yes. Tik 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 sidi baat. Tik tik sidi baat. Sidi baat, like speech. Uh, yeah, it's a plain speech. Yes. So the thing here is interesting. Is what does the lack of the, the denial of crookedness interesting enough? What does it refer to? 
وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ عِوَجَ Is it referring to the book? Is it referring to the message which is in the, which is in the book, which is mm. latent within the book? So you have mm. a book and then you have the message of the book. Mm. So separate. Or then you have the prophet. So what it's referred to clearly is the book because mm. it's saying revealed upon his servant a book and that book has not been given any crookedness in it. So what it indicates is that there are certain types of guidance that's out there. There are certain types of advice, spiritual advice that has that crookedness in it. Mm. It has this imbalance. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was asked for from from somebody to um for some from for some advice. And the Prophet said, say the truth to Mustaqim. Mm. To to tell the truth and then to remain upright. So Uprightness, being upright and being mustaqim is, is, a, is an eternal quality of the Qur'an. It's that it has this clear, direct path towards what we would say is knowledge of Allah's Mashia and Allah's will and Allah's, what Mullah uh, Liqari calls, Allah's irada al-shara'iyya, al-kawniya. So he talks about this irada in sharia and al-kawniya. So it's Allah's creative legislative um will in other words mm. what does god want from us so in any situation in your life you will be given a crossroads and this is every single point in your life is crossroads essentially mm. think of you're going to go home iftar even though you're saying there's no cross a crossroads you've got choices yeah that's seven mundane routes, several routes you know you could have <laughs> what seven routes so is that what you're no, no, there's several ways of getting to the same place. Yeah, so you have, um, you need to break your fast. So right away, you could break your fast with, in fact, my wife is telling me a story that she was 11 years old and and um, when the fast broke, her mother had, had given her before a, a, a gobstopper. Mm-hmm. So it's like a sweet sugar. And she broke her fast with that and her mother gave her a, a you know, a wee slap because you open your fast with dates and water. Because uh. that's a, that's a, a crossroads where you have choices and the, and the Prophet told us open it with dates and water and so the Sharia essentially tells you in a crossroads that you have sometimes mundane sometimes very very serious this is what you should do so a mundane would, would be washing hands but it has great blessing eating what to eat but then it gets to a point where it affects so many other people so mm-hmm. your choice will then you know, and it's interesting in the COVID context. There was a, there was a, a video. I don't know if you've seen it, where it shows the difference between social isolation and the and the spread of the disease, and not isolating. So I think they had ping pong balls mm-hmm. on uh, mouse traps, and they dropped something from a high on mouse traps that were say a thousand in in a, in a room next to each other. So you drop it, one falls. You know, when once yeah, one yeah. falls, it traps, and then everything just collapses. In other words, it's spread everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, in this context, you have the choice between something which is the Sharia is telling you in, in, on the on the tongue of the Prophet wasallam. If you hear of a, of a plague in a in a country, then do not enter, and if you're in it, do not leave it. Mm. And other advice about the, the specific plagues. Yeah. So, in that context, meaning the Qur'an and also the Prophet embodied it, it means that there's a very direct path to the truth. And mm. what the difficulty for us sometimes is 
in understanding where that is in the Sharia, for example. Mm. Thus, we have mm. scholars who study and research and then come up with what their understanding is. And in the COVID context, for example, they looked at it and said, Lam And this context means do not la darar wa la dirar. Do not cause harm and don't, do not harm other people that have caused you harm. Mm. And it was limit harm. It's from the hadith of Imam Malik's Muatta, very famous uh, collection. Imam Malik, this hadith is there to essentially tell you that there's no cro- crookedness in this path. So the crookedness, I mentioned this yesterday, is somebody saying, what does not matter? We'll, with our faith, we will manage to bypass all these problems. In other words, we'll pray in the masjid, and we'll have taraweeh, and we'll eat together, and as, as long as we stay okay, you know, kind of fairly... Um, Kind of isolated, it won't make any difference. But essentially, the Sharia is telling you something slightly different. This is why scholars, when this COVID thing came out, and they realized the the kind of depth of the seriousness of this issue, almost by unanimous consensus, they yeah. agreed upon the same course course of action. To the point that I would say, and this was something that I spoke to spoke to many people about is even if the governments had not put placed restrictions upon public gatherings, for example, the Masajid, mm-hmm. the Sharia would have pushed us to say it, it's clear, even if pubs are open, for example. It's clear. It's no, clear. no, imagine yeah. pubs are open and then people get infected, and schools are open, people get infected, and all these things happen and people get infected. Our religion still tells us that we have within our bounds choices, which are ethical choices. La darar wa la dirar. And that's what I think is amazing about the Quran is it tells you clearly that you will find no crookedness in this message. Mm. You know, when it's selling you, it's saying this is what's on the packet. And it's basically saying it does what it says on the packet. You know, when you know they say that something does what it says in the packet. In other words, what you expected is what it did. And so, you know, your question about the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf is exactly that because it's going to make things very clear. In the chapter, and interestingly enough, the chapter will have no awaj, have no crookedness in explaining very deep issues about free will and predestination, about the destiny that God has written and the wisdom of God and, and the under human understanding's limitedness. Like the Prophet Musa limited in his understanding mm. of what will happen to the child who's killed or the, or the ship that's, that's damaged or the wall that's built. Knowledge but limited. But above that is a knowledge which is wisdom, which we have no access to, and it's beyond our ability. And so the chapter is essentially telling us, even in the things that are baffling the human mind, which is we never thought that this could happen, the wisdom behind why things happen, essentially what's being said is that will be unveiled um, in the hereafter. Like in the hereafter you will see the rewind button. Yeah, we, we, we won't ever know for sure what that is. Like when now. you when when you see what the effect of your action was and what it led to, when you rewind it, you'll say, okay, at that point, I made the right decision. Hmm. Or rewind it and say, at that point, I made the wrong decision. But you'll never make that connection when you're living. You'll only make it when it's rewinded back for you. Remember like... Yeah, yeah, you know, even in life you do that as well. You, you, you. you I think we do make connections even in this life sometimes. Yeah, with, so you with imagine you got a big project and you're working and it doesn't work out. You can't think what it is, what it is, and then you go through your notes, you go through the steps you took, and all of a sudden it's glaringly obvious this was the point. Yeah, that yeah. we made a decision and this was where 
you know, the crossroads, we took the wrong crossroad. Yeah. And so who did that? You. Volition, human choice. And so the wisdom is in, in knowing that Allah knows what's going to happen and, and is going to p- place a, a test in there. But essentially you are part, still part of this equation. Mm. So this you know, tells us that we're not a religion that says you just sit back and you think whatever Allah wills will happen and then you just let the, the boat sail down the, the river to its destiny. So that's what's fascinating about the Quran. It's fascinating about the, the Prophet and Sunnah. The, prof, the fascinating thing about the Prophet's knowledge and the degree to which he was given knowledge by Allah Subhanahu, which is unbounding knowledge. وَكَانَ فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ عظيمة. Allah says that the, that the that the abundance upon you and the 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 overflowing generosity upon you was indeed great. And if if is, if Allah is saying to the Prophet that it's great, indeed great. It must be great hmm. in the estimation of Allah who's saying it. Alima. And if God is saying Alima, then it's, it's Al Alim, the one that is in, in, in majesty beyond our expectations. Masaib. Mm-hmm. And understanding. Masaib. Masaib. Afflictions. Afflictions. And you know what the word mas- Masaib comes from? Musibatan. So this is the the metaphor for this is quite interesting. I don't know how long we have in, in terms of We have inshallah we'll stop at fifty two. Six minutes. Masaib, so if you've used the word Musiba Masaib, if you want to understand it, look at the way the Arabic um, um covers this topic. With a word, which is to hit the mark. A musiba is something that hits where it's supposed to hit. Mm. It afflicts where it's supposed to afflict. So okay. it's almost as if it's the word that we use when we are talking about shooting an arrow. When you're shooting an arrow, asaba. Asaba means it hit the mark. And so essentially, musiba, hitting the mark, bullseye, you always think is a good thing, don't we? Hit the bullseye, you know. You're doing your, you know, ertugul, um, shooting arrows, practicing for On war against side. the Byzantines and all the rest of it. Hitting the bullseye. Now, who's who's firing the arrow? Subhanallah. Hmm. I know where you're getting. I know where you're going. <laughs> so the whole point is, who is who's, who's firing the arrow? Musiba, musaba, asaba, musibat, and all these words indicate that there's something. A power pulling and firing and it's hitting the mark for a reason. Hmm. So we always think Musiba hit us. We never think where it came from. So But that's a confusion. It comes with our uh, It's like imagine you're a battle that comes is our actions. Sometimes sometimes not. This is the whole issue I'm gonna hopefully develop in this section, which is that's okay. a misunderstanding I think. Okay. Because you know, in, in if you watch Ertugul, you'll find that there in battle scenes, an, an arrow just comes from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just about to die, and someone comes and saves him. Yeah, so it's just, and then you're thinking, where did the arrow come from? And th- this is essentially the whole purpose of our experience in life, which is that we're given challenges and experiences in life that are put in our path by Allah as a test. 
yeah. not as a punishment because it could be, you could say, well, I'm doing something wrong and then the musibah comes. You could be doing something right and the musibah comes. Yeah, yeah, again, after all. Every, every you could, yes, you could be doing something pious and intentionally great and the musibah comes at that point. Yeah. Because you as a person are so elevated in the eyes of Allah that Allah wants to elevate you even more. So every musibah for a person is in in comparison to their connection to God, whether it's the lowest of the low people in terms of the worst of worst people. Mm. You know, the worst of worst people on earth, they will give a, be given a musibah, which is special to them for a special, special purpose. The highest of the high will be given a musibah, and it will be for a purpose that is special to them. And this is why, you know, when the Prophet said that the, the most closest to the Prophets are those that are most afflicted in in, in tribulations, the prophets are the ones that are given the most tribulations. And you would say, well, they must be doing the most things that require them to be chastised. It's the opposite. They're the ones that Allah has loved so much that He wants them to elevate and to show humanity that a human being can be elevated to the point, as we said, Allama Iqbal said, that Allah will say to the servant, what is your desire? What is your pleasure lying? Hmm. And essentially, when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, Ali this exactly what happened. The angel came to him and said, Choice. This is nothing that has happened ever mm. where a human being is given a choice between two things. Mm. And the Prophet cho- chose Al Mala Al A'la, the highest companions, which are the angels. Now, at that point, he was elevated so much, even in this death pangs of difficulty and sweat and, 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 and um, tribulation. And separation from the people he loved so much. Even in that point, Allah was trying, testing him with a tribulation. But even at that point, Allah was asking him, Where's your, where is your pleasure lying? Mm. Why didn't God just let him have a very peaceful um, departure from earth without pain? The Prophet felt intense pain. So Musiba is a well-aimed arrow. And essentially, it is one of the names of the Prophet as well. Because the Prophet was also a warner, and then a musibah is also a warning. The second thing is probably worth understanding is musibah is a warning to you. It's what we call a shot across the bow to warn people. You don't want to kill them, but you're shooting it to warn them. And the Prophet was called a nadir, which is the sound that comes from an arrow when it's shot. Mm. You know, when in Arabic, mm. they say, when you shoot the arrow, you hear a noise. Yeah, That sound is called nudra. Ah. That, that ping, you know that ping that happens? Yeah. If you, again, if you watch it, ping. Yeah. That sound is a warning to the person about to be killed that you're about to be killed. And how many how many seconds do you have? Milliseconds between them. And this is why, you know, Musiba is one of the of the fascinating, most fascinating areas of reflection in human existence. That's all the time we have for reflections today. Inshallah, tomorrow again with Surah Kahf, um, Prophet Sallallahu life and reflections on Musiba, uh, the causes, understanding of what the affliction is and how we should embrace afflictions. Until then, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullah.